in worship this morning. Did a good job. You and Joshua, one of my sons. God has blessed us with some good boys and a good girl, and we're grateful. And a lot has to do, let me tell you, a lot has to do with you. You know, because those boys and that girl of mine were brought up in this church, and they were taught by faithful Sunday school teachers. Plug, plug. <laughs> and Joshua was just a wee little fella, four years old. He was in Mission Friends when we showed up here. And some of y'all had to put up with him and Jonathan and Andrew coming up. And I know Haley, she was no problem. She was an angel. But Reed is beginning to think otherwise, but <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> but... Uh, Y'all have been a faithful church teaching these children. And uh, I credit the Lord and uh, my wife and definitely you as uh, their church family in helping us to raise them. And uh, there are a lot of other kids out there that need your help. Uh, and I'm going to count on you and so does the Lord to help fill these positions that we need. Um, I want you to open your Bibles. Or you can look at the screen, but I'd just like for you to hold your Bible, too, to Psalm 118. So I shared with you last Sunday, these are the, this is the middle chapter of the Bible, and verses 8 and 9 are the middle verses of the Bible. Now, I don't believe in coincidences, especially, well, I just don't believe in coincidences. Things happen and God orchestrates things, and I don't believe that it's a coincidence that these are the two middle verses in the Bible, that everything leading up to this point and everything after this point kind of falls, fits together right around these two verses. And these two verses say it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. That word trust, that is to depend on, to rely on, to believe in. It's better to depend upon the Lord, to believe in the Lord, to rely upon the Lord than any man, no matter his position. Last week we talked about what three things we're dependent upon God for and three things that our prayer life tends to center around. We, we are dependent upon God's heart of pardon. We're always asking God for forgiveness, aren't we? So we're dependent upon His mercy, His grace, and His pardon in our lives. We're also dependent upon His hand of provision. Everything, we always asking God, please provide for this need. Please meet this need. Please help us in this way. Then we're thirdly also dependent upon God for his hedge of protection. And we're always asking God, Lord, please protect me and my loved ones and take care of us and protect us from harm and from evil and from danger. But today I want us to embrace another area that we are utterly dependent on God for, but one that we don't readily acknowledge our dependence on God for. And it's because of our human pride. Now, we can think we don't have pride, but... Um, that's the essence of pride, to think you don't have any pride. But this area is called, the, I'm gonna, we're going to call it the help of God's power. We say we depend on God's power, but do we really live like we depend upon God's power? So in the next couple of weeks, today and next Sunday, I, wanna, I want us to examine our lives and see if we really 
live like we say we believe. We say, God, we're dependent upon you, but do we really live that way? Why are we so reluctant to depend upon somebody else, even God? Well, it boils down to pride and an independent spirit. I can do it by myself. We're told you can be anything you want to be. We're told that from the time we're a little bitty. You can do anything you want to do. But what is often left off of that is through Christ who strengthens me. Or in James, he said, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. You see, it's, you can not be anything you want to be. You can only be what God wants you to be. You can't do anything you want to do. You can only do what God wants you to do. But we live like we're independent of God. Even as believers sometimes, we find ourselves living independently of God because we have so much. And sometimes God has to take those things away from us to teach us how dependent we really are upon Him. Throughout their history, the Israelites had an independent spirit. And the more I read of the Scripture, and the more I read about the Israelites, I realize, and the older that I get, I realize how much I am like them. And how much we are like them. You see, when I was younger, I thought, those stupid Israelites, they just didn't get it. They're about as dumb as a stick. And the older I get, and I look through my life, I realize, that's me. I'm just as ignorant. I'm just as dumb. I make the same mistakes. I do the same things. Why? Why Why haven't we learned over all these years? You see, they didn't think they needed God. They moved into the promised land. Well, they didn't think they needed God before that. Think about it. You know, they, Moses was up on that mountain. They said, where's Moses? He'd been gone for too long. Hey, Aaron, make us a God. We'll worship that God. And we'll proclaim that's the God that's delivered us from Egypt. I mean, can you imagine? And uh, they didn't think they needed God. They had an independent spirit. The book of Judges reveals this independent spirit. It says several times in the book of Judges, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every one did what was right in their own eyes. Isn't that, is that not a synopsis of our nation? Is that not a synopsis of our world? You see, we're trying to cast God out of our society and of our culture. And uh, living independently of God and everybody doing what is right in their own eyes. It's even in the church. People don't want to answer to the authority of God and His Word. They want to say, it's whatever I think is right, is right. However I interpret the Scripture is the right way to interpret Scripture. Man, that, you don't find that in the, in the will of God. But there are many people that are living their life just like that. And they're, they are accommodating every known sin by just what is right in their own eyes. In the book of Judges, they did what was right in their own eyes, and then God would raise up a godless nation to come against them and oppress them. 
And they would cry out to God for deliverance. And of course, you know the story. God would raise up a judge like Gideon or Jephthah or uh, one of the other, many of the judges that they had. And, and Samson was another one. And God would use them in a mighty way to deliver Israel. But then they'd repeat the same cycle. Then they'd slip right, they'd get comfortable again, and they'd, they'd get independent again, and they'd slip into that, that pride again, and then God would have to again raise up a, another nation to come against them. And as Israel grew more numerous, and as they started their monarchy, and they grew in prosperity and military might, especially under Solomon, they naturally trusted in their own strength. And then they began to make alliances with pagan nations like Egypt, Assyria. And again, God would bring nations up against them, against Israel, to, to discipline them. In Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, here's what the Lord says. The Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, will take away from Jerusalem and Judah. Now here's the phrase I want you to catch. Everything they depend on. Now let's stop and think, what if God took away from you and from this nation everything you depended upon? Everything you depended upon. Then he lists these things, and we're going to break this down. Every bit of bread, every drop of water, all their heroes and soldiers, judges and prophets, fortune tellers and elders, army officers and high officials, advisors, skilled craftsmen, and astrologers. God says, everything that Israel depends upon, I am going to remove from them. Now, would God ever do that to another nation? Well, he did it to his own people. You think we're any better than that? You think that God wouldn't do that to America? You think God wouldn't do that to an individual like you? To teach you that He is the one and only source of true life and health and breath? The Bible says it's in Him we live and move and have our being. Listen, it's not your education. It's not your wisdom, your skill, your ability, your strength, your health. It's, it's none of that. You are here today breathing God's air because God willed it. That's the only reason. He says, I'm going to remove their bread and water. I'm going to remove their basic provisions of life. What if God removed the basic provisions for your life? Wow. That's what God said he was going to do. In fact, he laid many times at one time in particular, he brought a pagan nation against Jerusalem and laid siege to that city. And they had to eat their own children. They ate their own dung and drank their own urine because of their sin and rebellion against God and their independent spirit. God did that to his own city, his own people. Would he do that again? Well, we pray not. We pray for God's grace and God's mercy, but, but God's praying, God's hoping, God's waiting for his people to repent and, and turn back to him. He said, I will take away their heroes and their soldiers. That is, the ones they depended upon to protect them. What if God crushed our military? 
those Navy SEALs and those Rangers and those airborne rangers and all those army and marines and the air force and the navy all those those coast guard all those people that we depend upon to protect us that barrier that we have all around us that we just are expecting nothing can defeat our military what if God crushed our military you say oh it could never happen hey if God says it could happen it could happen I don't want it to happen but are you depending upon that Is that what you're counting on to protect you? He says, I'll remove their judges. I'll remove all sense of justice and fairness in that land. And you know, that's a a pet peeve of mine. I I just can't stand when there's things aren't fair and right and just. That's why I can't watch the news. Because it just makes me so mad. Because that just ain't right. You know, and it ain't fair, it ain't just. And, but what if God removed all justice and fairness? from? What if the Supreme Court, just every decision they made was just complete in, injustice? What if our, all the legislation that was taking place was just unjust? Unjust. What if there, the, the wicked were praised and promoted and the good were put down and despised? You say, wait a minute, isn't that kind of what's happening right now? (laughs) Heller! You think God might be having a hand in that? You think maybe God's trying to teach America something? He said, I'm going to remove their prophets, their fortune tellers, and their astrologers. That is the people that they look to for special insight. People ran to the preacher. What do you think God is saying to us? They ran to the fortune tellers or the astrologers, which God forbid uh, commanded them not to have. But they would say, what does the future look like? Can you see anything? What's What's coming? Maybe this would be the Wall Street gurus. Those who are the market foretellers. What's the market going to do next year? What's What's coming up? Tell us. So we'll know what we can invest in or remove our money from and so we can prepare for the future. What are you depending on? God says, I'm going to remove all of that. Then he says, I'm going to remove your elders. Have you ever seen it in a time where our elders are more and more uh, or, or less and less respected than they are today? He said, I'm going to remove their elders. That's the people of experience who have lived a long time. We just buried Mr. John Faircloth yesterday, lived 95 years, a long time. Those are the people, Mr. Fred's here, lived 95 years, lived a long time. Men of experience, men of wisdom. And we, we look to those people. God says, I'm going to remove the elders from the land because I'm going to remove all those people that could could give you any kind of wisdom and understanding based on their experience. I'm going to remove all that. What are you dependent upon? He's saying we're going to remove army officers and high officials. That is, those government officials, those security, those people that provide a measure of security in our land. People like the our congressmen. Yeah, we kind of sometimes wish they would go away, but we really need them. Our CIA intelligence officials that are, I don't want to know everything they know. You don't want to know everything they know. 
those high officials that, that know things that none of us know that's going on in our world and are protecting us in ways that we can't even imagine. God says, I'm, I'm going to remove that, that barrier, that defense. Break it all down, tear it all down. He said, I'm going to remove the advisors, the counselors, the ones whom I've given special wisdom to. You know, the, we're, we trust that our men in high places have good counsel, good advice. That's one of the things I pray for our president and, and vice president. God, give them godly counsel and help them to know the difference between godly counsel and ungodly counsel. And, and what if God removed all the wise counselors and advisors from the land? And the only counsel and advice that people were getting was ungodly advice. You see, that happened one time in the Old Testament. God sent lying prophets to the people of Israel. He sent lying prophets. He did it. God said he sent lying prophets. God said he sent a lying prophet to Ahithophel, who was a priest, and gave him some ungodly advice. God did it. Now, why would God do that? Because God saw people that were independent of him and living in pride against him. And so he sent liars... And you see, when you reject God, guess what you do? If you reject the truth, what do you believe? The lie. And that's what God said in, in 2 Thessalonians. When the Antichrist comes, you know what? The stage is just being set, y'all. Because this world has rejected the truth, they've rejected Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. God says they're just naturally going to believe the lie. Because if you reject truth, the only thing left is what? A lie, and that sets the stage. Here comes the Antichrist, who is the lie of all lies. And God said, I'm going to remove from them the skilled craftsmen. The skilled craftsmen. You know, I'm amazed at the things you guys can do. And the things you guys know. You know, I don't know much. It's about all I know how to do. Man, if y'all ever got rid of me and said, you don't need to preach, I'd starve. No, really, I can do manual labor. I can cut grass. I can, I can, I've worked six years for a contractor, and I learned a lot under him, and, and I labored hard, but uh, I can be a gopher. I can go for this and go for that. But uh, I'm not very skilled in a lot of other things. I marvel at what you, have, what you guys are skilled at. You know, the, the mechanics, the, the electricians, you know, the carpenters, the builders, the, 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 the technicians, the computer whizzes, the smart rocket scientist people, just the, all the things, the civil engineering, the, all, the, all the engineer people we have, the doctors, the lawyers, the nurses, man, the things that y'all can do and know, it boggles my mind. But what if God said, I'm going to remove all of that from this society? You school teachers, I'm going to remove all of that. All skilled craftsmen. Think about it. God says to Israel, I'm going to hit you at the very core of your society. You see, what God wants us to understand is that all of these things that we look to and depend upon, that's not really our life. That's not really our life, but that's what we live for. That's what we pay so much attention to and, and give so much time to and so much money to. And, and, and you know, When's the last time you read the Bible? 
You say, I read my devotional book. No, I didn't ask you if you read a verse at the top of the devotional book. I'm asking you, when's the last time you read? Some of you have never been in the Old Testament. Some of you have never read the book of Deuteronomy. You wouldn't know last week when I made that joke about second hesitations that that's not even in the Bible. And I'm, 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 I'm making a joke, but it's, it's really sad how biblically illiterate the church of Jesus Christ is today because we don't spend time in His Word. But we say we're people of the book. We depend upon God, but we don't know Him. We're not dependent upon Him. We're dependent on everything I just listed for you this morning. That's what we're dependent upon. Now call me a liar. Because I know I'm not. I know that's what I depend on. But listen, if it weren't for God, none of those things would we have. We wouldn't have any of those things. None. God could take it away like that. In a breath. He, he told Israel, I'm going to take it away from you. I'm going to remove everything from you that you depend upon. These things are categorized in Jeremiah chapter 9. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom... Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, everlasting, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. He says, don't glory in those things. He said, glory in me and that you know me. Are you getting to know the Lord? Are you spending time with him? Do you long to be with him? Do you long to know what's in his word? You know, we're lazy. We want God to speak to us, but we, want to, we don't want to take time to read the Bible. Often God has to take these things away from us because He sees we become too dependent on them and not on Him. And I believe that's what God is doing in our nation. It saddens me, it grieves me, it angers me, in fact, to see these things being removed from us, but I realize that it's because we, God's people, and our nation, we have... We, are, we have an independent spirit. We have a prideful spirit. We think we can do it. You let the, you let the, uh, the Twin Towers fall like they did 9-11. And what do you hear people standing up and saying? They, it's the, you need to, by the way, need to read the book The Harbinger, which the authors come out with a recent book. Uh, I think it's called Paradigm now. But, but uh, read The Harbinger because he, he outlines what happened at 9-11 and the prophecies that were fulfilled with 9-11. And one of the prophecies had to do with that the leaders would stand up in pride and say, we will come back stronger and better. And see, that's what nations do. But there's no acknowledgement of God on behalf of the leaders necessarily. It's that we will do it. You know, I think about a baby and a pacifier. You know, a baby sucking a pacifier is perfectly fine, right? Right? I'm only, you may have a different opinion. I say if it works, use it. But if one of you adults showed up with a pacifier in your mouth, <laughs> you might need counseling. You see, 
It's ridiculous to think about an adult sucking a pacifier. It's ridiculous to think that people like me and you who've been Christians for many years are still dependent upon things that, I just, that God just listed for us in Isaiah 3. Those are pacifiers. You know what a pacifier has in it? What's in a pacifier? Air, nothing. That baby ain't getting no nourishment. It, and I know I'm using improper English, but I just like to talk like this sometimes. It ain't going to grow sucking a pacifier. It may stay quiet for a little while, but eventually it's going to figure out, ain't nothing coming out of that thing. Give me something real. Something that's got something in it that's going to nourish me. When are we going to get sick and tired of sucking on the pacifier and realize that the things of this world don't nourish us? They don't satisfy us. They don't help us to grow in our relationship with God or one another. Isaiah 10, 20, God says, In that day the remnant left in Israel, the survivors in the house of Jacob, will no longer depend on allies, but they will faithfully trust the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. He says in chapter 30, verse 3 through 5, But by trusting Pharaoh, you will be humiliated, and by depending on him, you will be disgraced. For though his power extends to Zoan, and his officials have arrived in Hanes, all who trust in him will be ashamed. He will not help you. Instead, he will disgrace you. In Isaiah 31, he says, What sorrow awaits those who look to Egypt for help, trusting their horses, chariots, and charioteers, depending on the strength of human armies, instead of looking to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. There's nothing but shame and humiliation and disgrace coming for those who don't trust in the Lord with all their heart. God said in Hosea chapter 1, verse 4, again to, to Israel, He said, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. Now, we just celebrated Independence Day. And I know what we mean by that. You know what we mean by that. But I wonder if this nation has not become independent of God. And now we're celebrating it. Now it's the thing to do. God says, I'm going to bring an end to Israel's independence. And if you read the Bible, you know exactly how God did it. God has to bring an end to our independence. An independent spirit is the outgrowth of pride, and God hates pride. And pride tops God's all-time most hated sins list in Proverbs chapter 6. Hosea chapter 12 verse 6 says, So now come back to God. Act with love and justice and always depend on Him. There was a sign that was posted in a textile mill back in the day. It read, When your thread becomes tangled, call the foreman. Well, a young woman was new on the job, and her thread became tangled. And she thought, I'll just straighten it out myself. No need to bother the foreman. And she tried, but the situation only worsened. Finally, she had to call the foreman. 
And she apologized. She said, I'm sorry, I did the best I could. He said, no, you didn't. To do the best you could, you should have called me. Now, there's a lesson there. The best you can do is not good enough. The best this world can do is not enough. The best thing you can do is trust in the Lord. With every part of your life, what are you you going to eat today? Have you trusted the Lord for it? Have you asked God for it? What are you going to wear today? The energy, the strength to do your work this week. Are you trusting God for it? That job that you've had maybe for 30 years, are you trusting that God's going to provide it tomorrow? Are you depending upon Him? Are you asking? And so the next couple of weeks, well, at least next week, I want to show you what we can do to come back to God and renew our dependence upon Him. Some literal, practical things you and I can do to renew our dependence or to express our dependence upon God. You see, we get so, we take things so for granted. I do. My health, my meals, my clothes, my family, a roof over my head. All those kinds of things we take for granted. But I, God is wanting me and wanting you to renew my dependence upon Him, my reliance upon Him, and He wants me to express that to Him. Now you think about that. He is our Father. Think about if you're a parent. You know, it's your job to provide for your kids, but have you ever felt taken advantage of and taken for granted as a parent? How does it feel? Wouldn't a little thank you or something that expressed their gratitude and their dependence upon you, wouldn't that go a long way? The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust, depend on the Lord with all your heart. Lean not Do not depend on your own understanding. But in your spiritual ways, acknowledge Him. Is that what it says? In your churchy Christian ways, when you read the Bible, when you pray, when you go to church, acknowledge Him. What does it say? In what? All. You mean my marriage? You mean... My recreation and leisure time? You mean my career, my work? You mean all these? Yeah, in all your ways, depend upon Him. Acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him. What does it mean to acknowledge somebody? Have you ever been ignored? No. If you have ever been ignored, you know what it means to be acknowledged, don't you? But sometimes we ignore God. But we still expect all these things to be in place, right? But we in all of our ways need to acknowledge Him and what will He do? Direct our paths. So, I'm going to give you two things this morning. This is in the the, uh, invitation. What can I do to come back to God? You say, well, I don't need to come back. 
I'm fine. Well, there's your independent spirit right there. You think you're fine just like you are. First thing is confess. And if you, if you think you don't have anything to confess, then here's the second question. Ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to me how I have lived with an independent spirit. I don't see that in my life. I don't necessarily think I'm guilty of that, but I may be. I want to be humble enough to say that's a possibility. Lord, would you, be, would you show me how I am expressing pride and an independent spirit from you in my life? Would you show me that? And Lord, as you show me that, then here's what I want to say to you. First of all, confess that. Acknowledge that to him. Lord, I'm sorry I've been living like that. And manifesting that pride and independent spirit. And ask him to forgive you. And then next week I'm going to give you some more ways to express your, your dependence upon him. But I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.